0: Welcome to So Here's The Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Laila Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail and let's get real. Hey friends, on this episode, we are being joined by Kat Schmoyer, wedding planner and founder of the Creative at Heart Conference, which is actually about to hold its ninth round, which in itself is so insanely impressive. I've loved following Kat's journey and seeing the beautiful and loyal culture of community she's created and how candid and open she's been about her journey, not only in the good times but also the hard times from both personal struggles to any kind of criticism that she's underwent. And I've just loved her candor and openness. Kat, I am so thankful that you're here and I can't wait to hear a little bit more about your journey and hopefully let it inspire our listeners as much as it's inspired me. So welcome to the show. I would love for you to share just a little bit about yourself and your journey to get to where you are today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love doing stuff like this and it's
1: just fun to connect a little bit more. It's awesome. My story and like how I got where I am, goodness, let's like do it real quick, okay, for you guys. You guys, you don't have all day so listen to this. <laughs> um, let's see. I started my wedding planning business right after I got married. So I did the very cliche thing and thought like, hey, you know what? I planned my own wedding. I can totally plan other people's weddings thankfully brides actually thought that I could. So I launched your sweetheart events just three months after Matt and I got married in 2013. And 17 months later, I was able to take that business full time and quit my corporate job, which was incredible and such an awesome feeling to be able to like walk away from that nine to five and embrace entrepreneurship full time. In between that, when I was growing DSE, I launched Creative at Heart. We hosted three conferences a year for the first two years. And then we had round seven and round eight over the last two years. And then this year we're having round nine. So super wild to see how that brand has grown in and of itself, completely separate from DSE. And we have a team and um, all sorts of things. Matt actually went full-time for Creative at Heart um, two years ago. So it's really wild to just see um, how both businesses have really taken off. Currently, Matt and I both get to work from home together on both of the businesses. and with our son, Micah, which is also super wild and crazy. And I feel like all my dreams are coming true. So yeah, that's our like story in a nutshell
0: right there. That's insane. First of all, like... The fact that you can condense it into that short <laughs> <laughs> amount of time is super impressive that you can condense that down. <laughs> like I have no idea how you just did that because you you did so much in such a, I mean, a short amount of time. It's so interesting to me. I feel like in the entrepreneurial journey and in our lives as entrepreneurs that what is seemingly a short amount of time within like the longevity of a lifespan. Like it doesn't seem like five years, five plus years is that long. But in the life of an entrepreneur, five years can be like an insane amount of time. Absolutely, absolutely. And like five years
1: can make or break your business for real and like really you know set you up for success or you know kind of make you close other doors and open new ones and things like that so
0: yeah that's a good point absolutely yeah 100% i i am so blown away by the amount of things that you've accomplished within those first few years but also the fact that you've been able to lay that groundwork i feel like if things don't go super well in the first few years i mean not that it's a terrible thing you just kind of have to start over so it's nice that you've been able to kind of get all of those ducks in a row I'm. I'm still just. I'm, I'm in <laughs> awe of that. That's amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, as somebody who hosts like small, intimate things, to think about hosting nine rounds of a larger scale conference logistically sounds like a nightmare to me. But <laughs> you are a planner, <laughs> so as a planner, yeah. it's. I'm sure it's good for you. Yeah, I really do love it. I know it, it is crazy, but it's
1: when I think about my business and as our, our business has grown and we've had to outsource, you know, and bring on new team members. Like I do have an awesome assistant who does so much for creative at heart and she handles all of our sponsorship coordination. And i um, really is like the conference director, but I don't really foresee myself ever outsourcing legit conference planning to anyone because I love it so much. There's just something really fun about the spreadsheets and the, <laughs> the timeline and the organization of it all. So yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's what makes it so uniquely yours and adds the signature is that it's planned by you. I think that if you were to outsource something like that, just from closely following you for the past few years, I think it would change probably a lot of the heart of your conference. So that's amazing. I love that about you. I think you do an amazing job of not only like intentionally cultivating your community but also making each individual member of your community feel personally invested in you and personally invested not only in like your business but in your life and in you as a as a person. Do you think that it's always been that way? Like do you remember there being a turning point within your career or in your following? How did you create such a loyal group? Because I feel like a lot of your or maybe a significant amount of your attendance into your conferences are like repeat attenders and volunteers and people who want to be around you all the time. So do you feel like that's something that naturally came to you? Or do you think that it's something that you intentionally put forward? That is such a good question. And you are correct. We do have a lot of alumni come back, which is
1: Amazing for me, it's twofold. It's really humbling when somebody comes to Creative at Heart as their very first like investment in their business because I know that it's not a cheap thing, right? Like let's just be blunt about that. Sixteen ninety nine is a lot of money, <laughs> so I appreciate you know when someone says that's going to be the first big investment I make in my business. Like that, I hold that very high. But on the flip side, I also really love when our alumni come back. You know they've already invested one time. They've been a part of Creative at Heart. Like you wouldn't think that they would you know want to come back so it's really awesome that they do come back to answer your question so many so many aspects to that part of me I know that it is just within me a strength that I have I'm really big into strength finders I don't know if anybody out there listening is individualization is in my top 10 and individualization. Like that strength means that I love to look at people individually and figure out like, what do they need and how can I help them? Which is a good and a bad thing at the conference, right? It's really awesome because I don't want it to look like 180 people. I want it to really be like one person, like every single person matters. So it's great in that sense, but then sometimes a little stressful when like food wise, I'm like, okay, everybody needs their favorite snack. And my husband's like, we cannot buy 180 different things for the snack table. I'm like, but why? So in that sense, it can be like a little bit complicated on that end.
0: But I love that. I love that about you. And I love
1: that you guys have that balance so he can rein it in. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 that's not feasible. So on, on that end, I know that it is something that I just do naturally in terms of I want to look at people as people and not a number, especially when they're investing in an experience like creative. On the flip side, though, I want to give you guys something practical, I guess, so that if you're doing the same thing with your own like workshop or in-person retreat or even just with client experience with the service or product base. For me, it really started in the very beginning with our educators um, and having educators that were willing to put themselves out there and align themselves with our brand when our brand was non-existent. When I first started pitching educators, we didn't even have a name for creative at heart. Um, I didn't know what to call it. I was just emailing some people and like seeing if they would buy, like if they thought it was something that they wanted to be a part of. So it was really humbling. Bonnie actually flat out said, my my good friend Bonnie of Ophias, for Bonnie Designs, she said, so when I got your email, Kat, I thought it was spam by the subject line because my subject line was like all caps, like really exciting news, like all these exclamation points. And she was like, what is Kat doing? So it's really cool now to see that we had these educators who had their own brands who were building their own businesses and they were willing to partner with us when we were such a baby business and they were willing to kind of align themselves with our brand to show people like, Hey, this is something worthwhile. And like there's community here. They were willing to pour into us. Like our educators are the hands and feet of the conference because I'm one person, so I cannot physically encourage all 180. Like I want to, like, it's, it's, physically not feasible for me in a four-day period, but our educators can. So for me, making sure that the educators that are coming, whether it was round one and now to round nine, like they have a heart for community and they have a heart for sharing about trial and error experiences and like being an open book to love on and encourage the others um, and really lift people up. I want people to feel like it's one playing field and not educators versus attendees. So it's really cool that we've just been able to partner with educators that want to do that and are able to push the community aspect over and over and over again within our attendees.
0: It almost sounds like you have like two different spheres of community. You have the community that you've created, To help push out to your audience that who Mm -hmm. then becomes like that second sphere of community for you So I think it's really interesting the way that you take on the perspective of I am only one person Whereas a lot of entrepreneurs I feel fall into the trap of I have to do it all by myself Mm -hmm. I am one person my business is me and it's a reflection of me So it's all on me whereas you've then taken a step back and you're saying I'm one person, but I want my community to be more than, more than one person, more than just about me. And I think that that's really beautiful. And I think that there's a lot of growth that can come from shifting your perspective into that. So, So thank you for sharing that with us. So on that same note, what would you say to someone who feels like they're taking all the right steps, they're sharing all the right things, but they don't feel connected to their audience? They might feel like maybe they do still have that perspective of it's just me and they, they're having a hard time shifting into the, the community-centric perspective. What would, you, what would you say to them? What's like a good first few steps that they could take?
1: I would say to start to think about your brand as like the platform, just like you're talking about where, you know, it's not all about you. It, it isn't all about us, right? It's a, for me, my business is about the people that I'm affecting and the people that I'm reaching out. So whether I have a hundred people who follow me on Instagram or 10,000 people who follow me on Instagram, like a hundred people is a lot of people, put a hundred people in your home. Like that is a lot of people that you have like a direct sphere of influence over. So I want to like serve and love those people really well and utilize my brands, like the platform that I have to speak into them. So speaking into them with things like the pain points that they have, the fears that they have, like just hit it hard, (laughs) get to the heart of the matter and address the things that, you know, will allow them to like nod their head. Yes. Or say, you know what? No, I'm not into this. And like, they can go and it's okay. I think that a lot of times with community in our industry specifically, we feel like community means we have to always have everybody all the time. And while I do agree and like inclusivity and we want everyone to feel like so welcome and loved, especially for us, like creative at heart, like everybody is welcome. We also do have an ideal client, just like in your business, you have an ideal client. And so when thinking about community, we have to also understand like the repel and attract and that by making your brand a platform and like raising your hand and saying like, this is what I stand for. And this is how I'm going to build community. You are naturally going to have people want in on that and people want out on that. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that's controversial. It just means that like some people are going to be like, okay, I don't really care about that right now I'm like I'm I don't need to worry about that and like they're gonna go follow someone else and no big deal so I think that's something really important to remember is that we can't speak the things for all the people you have to figure out like what your platform like what your brand can speak into in terms of community and like raise that high for creative at heart like we actually spoke to directly to a community like our thing was like we need community like who else needs community we're all creative at heart like let's come together for community and that was like powerful for people for me with the catch Moyer brand like i I'm raising my hand as like I'm a mama preneur. I own multiple businesses. I diversify my offerings all the time. I really have no idea what I'm doing, but like if you want to follow along and like see what's going on, like come over here. So some people that like aren't a mom or aren't like in that season or you know, whatever, they might not relate, they might not be into it, and that's okay. Um, so I think long story short like it's really important to just understand and figure out like what are you raising your hand for like wh- how are you building community um, and what is your platform stand for and if you really niche down for that and have the things that you want to stand for like you will form community around those things
0: I love that answer and I think it really does kind of actually give several points that people could consider and move forward on so thank you for that I think that you also kind of touched on something that I think a third topic of this podcast unintentionally is kind of putting yourself second and putting your audience and your community first. And I think that that really does reflect in the way that you run your community with how open you are. And you you always say that you're an open book, but a lot of people say they're an open book. It's pretty rare to find people yeah. <laughs> actually are an open book. So with that being said, I mean, you, you go as far as to share things not only personally that are difficult for other people to share in hopes that it will help your community, but you also have in the past shared um, undergoing like criticism and undergoing difficult situations professionally. And so I think this could be a good time to segue into kind of the topic of how you handled that and how you would advise somebody else to handle such a situation. I really actually have to say, I so admire you for being so open about this. And in particular, I really admire you for being open about the way that you handled it when you say the action steps that you took afterward, for example, in a blog post that you wrote, I think you talked about undergoing a little bit of, or not a little bit, a lot of criticism for like not having a super diverse lineup in at Creative at Heart, and you talk in that blog post a little bit about how you took action steps to rectify that situation, and you leaned on your community in that time for their feedback, their input, and ways to fix it. What you didn't do, which I really admire, is you didn't go on the defensive. And I mean, yes, initially, anytime we are critiqued or criticized, we're going to have our defenses go up. And we're going to say, that was unintentional. I would never intentionally do something to hurt someone, so on and so forth. But the thing that I admire is that you were then able to take a step back, look at it from the outside, and take action steps to fix that situation. And I think that's what sets you apart. So I would love to hear a little bit about your advice on how to be introspective while still taking on the considerations of other people's perspectives.
1: Yes. So this is such a tough topic. It's a hard one to answer, but in 2016 is when we underwent a lot of very public criticism for lack of diversity and inclusivity in our educator lineup. And just like you said, it was a really, really, really hard season because of how public the outcry was for diversity and inclusivity. There are definitely a few things I learned throughout doing that. And first and foremost, I feel like anybody can relate to this with their own business is just with social media in general. Right. And again, going back to like whether you have a hundred people or 10,000 people, it doesn't matter when we put ourselves out there, like people aren't going to agree with everything that we do and whether we do something intentionally or not intentionally, like there's always going to be somebody who has something to say, who doesn't necessarily agree with what we're doing. Um, now in this specific situation, It was obvious that people disagreed with some of the decisions that I had made, whether my heart was intentional in that or not,
0: which for the record, my heart was not intentional in that. I think anybody who has taken a few minutes to either get to know you or follow along with you would know that that was not your heart. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Thank you. Thank you. Something
1: that was hard for me to do, but I knew that we had to do it, is because I've built a platform for Creative at Heart and because our people had very boldly said, like, we uh, disapprove of this. Like, what is happening here? Like, I couldn't run and hide, even if I wanted to, right? Like, and I did. I absolutely was like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, this is really scary and I have to use, like, political language and I have to understand exactly what to say and I've hurt feelings that I didn't intend to hurt. And so there was a lot of, like... like professional things mixed with personal things. And it was very sticky and very, very, very hard to walk through. However, I knew that I had to hear my people and respond well. And so that's my biggest piece of advice for anybody else who undergoes like a public criticism like that, or even just email back and forth criticism with a client who's unhappy, you know, with what you've done, especially service-based. I feel like we can relate to that a lot with a bride who's just unhappy with whatever it might be. We boldly said in our legit Instagram graphic and response to that, like we hear you like I am listening and I want to respond to this and this is what I'm going to do for me in all of my life, actions always speak louder than words. So I knew that we not only needed to hear our people, but then I needed to act on that. So in that specific situation, something that I was doing was doing some research, talking with others in the industry on how can I, how can I show diversity and inclusivity? How can I show that like creative at heart really is creative at heart all people, no matter what your race is, no matter what your skin color is, like all the creatives. So I had to figure out what that looked like. I needed to talk to other people of other races and understand how I could do that. And then I needed to show the Instagram world and show our like alumni family, like this is what we're doing. This is how we're moving forward. And I like to think, and I'm proud of the fact that since 2016, ever since then, like we have moved leaps and bounds to really showcase all creatives, um, men, women, it doesn't matter. Um, we want people to feel at home at creative at heart. And so for me, it was just really boldly listening to what our people had to say and like standing in the thick of it with them, even when it was, like sticky and I didn't want to. And I would rather have not dealt with the conversations. I needed to have the conversations. And that's the hardest part of dealing with controversy is like having to stand ground and have the conversations from the standpoint of openness to the other's argument or the other's opinion so that growth can really happen.
0: Beautifully said. I truly think that the hardest part in situations like this is being able to balance the professional and the personal because I do think that a certain amount of personal growth comes from being able to approach things in a really professional manner because you're almost taking, again, this recurring theme of this podcast episode is that we are putting our communities first. And so when you're able to put somebody else first and approach things in a really professional manner, you're actually taking on other people's mindsets. And I think that that actually ends up growing our own. So I really admire that as well. I would love to point out another point you made, which is that even if it's not like a public criticism even if it's just a client something that we will all deal with at some point in our careers i mean it's not a it's not an if it's a when when right. are you going right like when are you going to have to handle criticism or unhappy clients or unhappy people, especially in the world of social media, especially in the world where people have access to us at all times and we're putting ourselves out there. I love that you kind of pointed out that this is not something that just because you had to undergo it really, really publicly doesn't mean that we won't have to as individuals deal with this on a personal or small business level. So I appreciate that as well. Do you have any other kind of feedback going on a smaller scale, kind of speaking into the individual. Have you handled situations like this on a smaller basis, like with your Dear Sweetheart Events business, or even with your Moyer brand? Aside from creative, where else have you had to deal with this criticism? And like, how did you approach that while still maintaining the relationships and that same culture of community?
1: Yeah, great question. I have. I think what you said is spot on with like, it's not if it's when it's going to happen. Let's be real. It's service-based, right? Like we're going to, we're going to have that client. Everyone's going to have that client. Sometimes several of those clients over a few years. So yes, it's definitely happened for me on the bride scale, as well as within the catch my brand. And a couple of things for me, I get angry. (laughs) So like a normal person, right? Like I, I get angry and I, want to lash out right i get an email and i want to fire back with like all the reasons why this is not accurate and i want to be very defensive and you can't always do that now i do think that we have to be firm whether it's firm with the contractor firm you know in regardless of whatever the situation is but i have found that for me i just have to take that season of wait before i respond i cannot respond immediately maybe i like respond immediately in terms of writing out like my like vent back to the person, um, not in the email in case you accidentally send it, but you know, in another document or something, um, just to get off my chest or I talk to Matt about it, or I talk to a really close friend in the industry that I know will allow it to be a safe space and will then allow me to kind of bounce back and forth some productive things that I can do in return one thing that is important on that note is I never want it to feel gossipy. So whether it's a public scale or like a email, like one-on-one scale, like I never want to come across like I'm gossiping or bad mouthing a client or bad mouthing a situation. So for me, it's, I have like two or three women in the industry I know I could go to and like it will be safe and it will be confidential and they will not only listen to me and, you know, give me those emojis like when necessary throughout the conversation, they'll also give me really productive feedback and really help me figure out like how can I respond in a way that is true to my brand and true to my heart, but also firm and also allows the person on, you know, the opposite end of this situation to understand where I am coming from. So I do think that it is important to bring somebody else in if you feel like there is somebody that you can do that with like on a really safe scale and then also waiting a little bit before responding so that you have some time. Third thing, always have stuff in writing. Um, I always want to make sure that I'm keeping in writing um, just in case. Um, I just never know what could happen. And you don't want to think about the like crazy bad what ifs, but there are those what if scenarios. So I always want to have things in writing. I don't want to move the conversation to the phone or even do voice memos back and forth. I want to make sure it's in an email.
0: Absolutely. And even when I do take things on the phone, I always follow up with an email that's like, as we discussed earlier today. (laughs) And I I think that's a great piece of advice, no matter what you do. I I do also want to just say, I completely agree with taking some time. I know that our instinct is to be like, oh, well, I need to answer really promptly so that it, They know that they have my attention. But at the same time, when it's a sticky situation, you do want to take some time to like stop and think. I used to coach a dance team when I was a high school teacher. And I actually had a rule for parents after things like tryouts and auditions. I'd be like, you need to wait 24 hours before emailing me. And then I will talk to you. And that came across really harshly a lot of the times. But it really did work. I mean, it cut down when I switched to that policy. It cut down to so many uncomfortable conversations because fired <laughs> up. I mean, we're human beings. It totally makes sense. So yes, I love that you shared that, and I I would say I completely agree with all three of those statements. And I I think again having that community, having that. It's almost like you've added now a third sphere of community that you've kind of talked about today. It's like the immediate inner circle, which can come across, as I say it, it does sound a little bit like, oh, is it like a click? But no, it's an inner circle like you would have if you were working any corporate job, your peers, the people that you can rely on for really candid and honest feedback who are going to tell you like when you're right, but also when you're wrong. And I think that that's important to have. Absolutely. And I
1: think that it's important for us to remember that even if we can be an open book to like the second sphere and, you know, the outer spheres, like there's some things that you might just want to share with the inner sphere and like, it's okay. It doesn't mean you don't love the other spheres and you don't want community with them. But a great example for me is I'm very open about the miscarriages that Matt and I went through. I'm very open about talking about those online, but there are certain things within that, that like, I just share with my inner sphere. And I just share with that group of women that like, like I just need like safe space and like small intimate conversations around it. And it's not something I'm going to share on the blog or, you know, publicly at creative at heart. doesn't mean that it's not important for me to talk about. It just means that there are layers within the platforms I've chosen to talk about. And that's a great example of one of them.
0: I do think that's a really great example. I would also say it's, it is something that there's no real exact formula to. I think every person has to decide for themselves what they want to share and what they're not willing to share with certain, like, levels and layers and spheres of of groups. And I will also add that I like to kind of put things through two rounds. One, is it serving me in the best way possible to share with, you know, this group or this group or whatever? And also on the second level, is it serving them? Because like you said, it's not all about us. A lot of times it's completely about our communities and we want to make sure that what we're sharing is actually serving them more so than just being a space to vent or to get advice for ourselves. So I love having that kind of stagger.
1: Absolutely. I love that too. One of my good friends a couple years ago when I first started sharing like more personal things and um, told me to f- filter it through, like could I share it within the lens of hope or was I still like living in it too much? Um, and that was a little bit murkier for me with miscarriage Right, because I did feel very hopeless, and I was open and said, "Like y'all, I feel really hopeless. Like this is what we're going through." But in that sense, it was serving others to like kind of build community within other women that had also gone through something similar. With the criticism that creative faced, it took me over a year to talk about it publicly. Obviously, addressing it, you know, when it happened, but it took me over a year to do my first podcast interview about it because I I didn't know how I could share it in, in a hopeful way. I I was really broken and I was really hurt and I was walking through a lot of things and really trying to make the right moves and be really genuine with my heart there. And so I think that that's helpful to remember too, is like serving you, serving others. And like, how can you say it through the lens of hope so that you're not just like, raining on everybody's parade all the time.
0: No, that's such a great tip. That's such great advice when you're trying to decide how much of yourself you want to put out there, especially as you're growing your community. And for those who are listening, who are maybe trying to determine how much of myself do I want to put out there so that I can connect with my community. I love that you've now given kind of an extra filter to throw that through. The last thing that I really want to ask you is what I ask every guest. In this case, with the direction that the conversation has gone today, I have no idea really which one of these things you want to talk about, but I would love to hear your unpopular opinion on either growing a culture of community, confronting criticism as that community grows, just your unpopular opinion on this topic. Oh my goodness. I don't even know. (laughs) Okay, I guess my
1: unpopular opinion on community. I feel like I already kind of mentioned it a little bit before. So my unpopular opinion on community is don't be afraid to be make bold decisions and like be bold in the platforms that you are raising your hands to address within your community, knowing that you will naturally repel and attract like within that. I firmly believe um, that within community, we sometimes feel like we have to be all the things for all the people. And that is an exhausting place to be. It's an exhausting place to be as women, just in general, it's an exhausting place to be as business owners. And so rather than being all the things for all the people, like, I want to be these things for these people um, and really like raise my hand to say, like, this is what I can do and this is what I stand for and this is how I can help. And it doesn't mean that I don't love all the people, but it means I can't be
0: all the things for all the people. So I would say that's probably my unpopular opinion on community. I think that's pretty good. I, I would agree with that as well. And I think that that is something that not everybody wants to hear or wants to do. But I do think that it's important if you're trying to. The way that you have create a true culture of a loyal and dedicated community. So, thank you so much. I feel like I could talk to you forever about all of these. <laughs> we might just have to have you come back on the podcast. That'll be so fun. I would love it. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to delve into some of these like subtopics that have come up here because, I'm really feeling them, but thank you so much for being on the show, Kat. You're amazing. And I cannot wait. I can't wait to personally attend your ninth round of creative as one of your panel leaders. And I'm, I'm just thrilled and honored to be there. So I can't wait. And I can't wait to share a little bit about my experience there too.
1: I'm so excited for you to be there. I can't believe it's going to be here so soon. I still have a lot to do, but like good things to do. So I cannot, cannot wait. Well, if anyone can get them done
0: in a timely and really precise manner, <laughs> it's Kat Schmoyer. Right? Oh gosh. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kat. Thank you. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.